Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for this opportunity to worship you together today. We pray that your Holy Spirit would fall powerfully upon us, Lord. Open our hearts and minds to receive you. And we pray that you would place your words in my mouth that I might faithfully proclaim them. And we pray that you would uh, impact us today, Lord God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It's so good to see you all today. Well, I want to let you in on a little secret about me. I like to sleep. Anyone else like to sleep? You don't like to sleep. You're morning people. You guys hate sleep, don't you? No, man, sleep is beautiful, isn't it? Oh, I just love that feeling of like being all wrapped up in your covers in the morning. Oh, how warm and comfortable it is. And I like to sleep late if I can, which has changed since I had children. (laughs) Right? Late now means like seven instead of late meaning like noon. All right? Anyone remember those days sleeping till noon? Like in college? Oh, gosh, that was just... What's that? I'll get over it? Oh, I hope not. Man, it was just wonderful. You know, if you sleep a little later, the sun comes through the window and warms up the room and shines on the sheets. Oh, doesn't it feel nice? Because what happens if you wake up when it's early in the morning, like before dawn? You don't want to get out, right? It's dark. It's cold. The floor, like, encounters your feet in an unpleasant way, and they kind of curl back up. Oh, man, I hate that feeling. Right? It's hard to get up early in the morning. So I think really kind of the best juxtaposition of my life was when I went from college to the military. (laughs) Right? Just right one after the other. Right? I didn't even get to walk for my college graduation because my military show-up date started on, like, the day before graduation. So... Go to the military, and, and do they like to wake up early? Why do they like to wake up early? Because they're mean. They're mean. It was horrible. Like, you're up way before dawn. You're out there, like, standing in formation. Then you're running and doing push-ups and climbing ropes and stuff. It's horrible. It's like torture. Is there a point, though, to it? Come on, there's a point to it, isn't there? (laughs) Discipline, exactly. You train your body that sleep is not important as you think it is. You train your body to get up, to work hard when you don't want to. You train yourself to be prepared before dawn because that's the time when the bad guys attack, right? It's around dawn and dusk, right? So you train yourself to be alert during those times. And you train yourself to overcome those desires which lead you to just want to be asleep and sedentary. Now, given my sleep preferences, I find that it, it therefore is especially challenged, challenging for me what the Apostle Paul says in our reading from Romans 13, that it is the time to wake from sleep. Right? Isn't that horrible? Sleep is good. And Scripture tells us it's good and that God gives sleep to his faithful people. That's what the Psalms tell us. Something to remember if you're a sleepyhead, right? You're just enjoying the Lord's blessing in your life. So if God tells us that sleep is a blessing from him, and yet Paul tells us here through God, or God tells us through Paul, that uh, we're supposed to wake up for sleep from sleep, what does this reading mean? 
Well, I think Paul is using sleep in a more metaphorical sense. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Paul is not necessarily referring to physical sleep, but that spiritual state of sleep that we can find ourselves in, right where we wander about this world like spiritual zombies, not engaged in worshiping God, but rather just going through the motions. Automatons, kind of just doing our thing without thinking about anything higher than what we are experiencing in our life. Sleepwalking. Right? Anyone see somebody sleepwalking before? Right? They can do some basic functions, but like higher thought or coherent conversation, right, is not something that can take place. Doing things without meaning is another way we could explain what Paul is talking about. Wandering through life without purpose. That is what he would refer to as sleep. Paul wrote to his audience in the year 57 AD. That was a long time ago, wasn't it? It was a confusing time. Why do you think it was a confusing time? Because you only could write two numbers on a check, right? And it just threw everybody off. No, come on. Why was it a confusing time? Yeah, Rome was changing, right? Uh, Jesus had died 20 years before this time, right? And he had been resurrected. He had descended to the right hand of the Father. And then what? Yeah, that's how they felt too. Exactly. No answer. Like, Jesus is gone. It's the era of the church, the era of the Spirit. Pentecost has happened. But Jesus said he was coming back. And where is he? It's been more than 20 years. Where is Jesus? And Rome was changing. The persecution was happening to the church. Like Christians were being dragged out of their homes and fed to like lions and wild dogs and burned. I mean, it was was an unpleasant time for Christians. They were experiencing this great persecution on one side. And on the other side, they were experiencing this sense of disorientation. Where are the promises of Jesus Christ? Where was he when they needed him? Why hadn't he come back yet? And what were they to do in the meantime? To these people, Paul wrote one of the most profoundly theological books in the Bible, a letter that delineated for Christians what was the source of their hope in Christ and what would be the result of that hope in Christ. This letter addressed, in particular, what they were to do during this period of waiting. Paul says, You know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. It is time to get up and get going because the time of the return of Jesus is closer than it was before. Paul reminds them that each and every day the return of Jesus was getting closer. We do not know the day, but we'd rather know that Jesus Christ is coming back soon. Since Jesus' return is approaching, Paul encouraged the Christians to live in ways that showed that they were ready for his return, that they were prepared for the return of their Savior. He said they should lay aside the works of darkness. What are the works of darkness? Sin, yeah, absolutely. And what does sin include? 
Anyone know any of those things? I mean, I know we're foreign to the concept, right? And in our lives, we've all transcended that. No, come on, right? In our letter to the Romans, Paul says like drunkenness, debauchery, licentiousness, anything with a cis at the end of it, um, you know, you want to avoid. Um, yeah, there are all these, these things that you and I, we're well acquainted with, aren't we? We know what these things are, these acts of darkness. And Paul encourages us to live like people of the day. What's the difference between people who live in the dark and people who live in the light? Well, one are vampires and the other... No, come on, what are they? What's the difference? What, what does he mean by living in the dark versus living in the light? How do you... Con- like, when does most crime take place? At night, why? You can't be seen. Why else? What's that? Methamphetamine. Exactly. Um, you know, but most other, it's usually a quiet time. People are not out and present. Right? And it, just shameful things happen at night, don't they? Most often? Yeah. What did your mom say about midnight? If your mom said it. Go home, that's right. Nothing good happens after midnight, right? Nobody ever heard that? Man, I've got the most old-fashioned parents in the world, I guess. Nothing good ever happens after midnight. It's not like things do not go well after that point, especially if you're a young person. Right? Those are the acts of darkness. They're things that we want to keep concealed, that we want to keep hidden away behind closed doors. What about people who live in the light? What are they like? God in their life, yeah. And what do they think about their actions? Yeah, people are welcome to see them because it's something you would do either by yourself or in front of somebody else. It wouldn't be embarrassing. You wouldn't be, um, people's opinion of you would not be lowered if they saw you doing that action. That's what we call integrity, right? Doing the same things in private as we would do in public in front of other people. Paul encourages us to righteous living, to living in the light, to doing doing works of the light. But this reading closes with the most important line of the passage. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This last line exhorts us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Walk in his ways? What else? There's a real deep meaning here. What does it mean to put on something? Don't think too deep. To clothe yourself in it. Right? Anyone put on anything this morning? I hope so. Right? We all put on garments that covered our body. Why do we do that? Warmth, protection, that's right. Jesus Christ asks us to put, or commands us, to put on himself. And what does that mean? Protects us. He encompasses us. He covers us. When you're wearing something, what do people see? What you're wearing, exactly. And so if you clothe yourself in Jesus Christ, if you wrap him around you like a cloak... What do people see when they look at you? 
Jesus Christ. Why do clothing companies, especially for kids, put like the brand name huge across the front of it? Advertisement, right? Because people see that and they see a person wearing it and they're like, hey, look at that so-and-so brand, right? But for us, we put on Jesus Christ and we are therefore identified with him. How do we put on Jesus? Well, all you have him hanging in your closet, don't you? No, come on. How do you put on Jesus? What's that? Yeah, one of the ways we do is by the way we act. What else? Prayer. How else? Think about like that first act of faith you had. Right? We invite Jesus Christ into our hearts. We ask him to be our Lord and Savior. We say we are people who need your grace. And we invite him to be a part of our lives. To be the Lord of our lives. Right? And then he clothes us with his righteousness as a garment. Because how good are we at clothing ourselves with righteousness? Anyone ever tried it before? Like, I'm going to be good today. Gosh darn it. And how good are we at that? Not so good, right? And even when it goes well, what do we start to do? We start to get a little prideful, right? Things go well, you do a couple nice things, you're like, whoo-hoo, I am nailing it today, God. I'm glad I'm not like that person. Right? Who they are, you should see them. Works of darkness right there. I'm shining like a candle. No, we, you know, we do that, and then suddenly that just demeans all the righteous things we've done in that day. Right? It's only when Jesus Christ clothes us with his righteousness that we can be fully integrated. We can be people who do righteous things for righteous reason, reasons for a righteous Lord. And so Paul speaks to us today. He says, wake up. Stop wandering and stumbling through this life like sleepwalkers or like our country's current phase of zombies, right? Stop walking through life like that, just responding to stimuli. Right? Stop it. Let it go. Put on Jesus Christ. Receive him as your Lord and Savior and allow his righteousness and his grace to work themselves out in your life so that you and I can live as faithful people of God. So that people can look at us and see Jesus Christ. And when they see that, they can turn to him as their Savior. The problem is we're broken people. We need the grace of God. And so this challenge comes with a promise. Jesus has promised that he is with us always. He has promised that if we ask for him, he will clothe clothe us in his righteousness. And so may we turn to him today, receive his grace and love, and be equipped and clothed to go out into the world faithfully to serve him. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you take us children of darkness and you transfer us and transform us into children of light. Help us, Lord God, to trust in you. 
we live in a time of confusion as well. Lord, we're not 20 years after the ascension, Lord. We're thousands, almost thousands of years after it. And we pray, Lord God, that you would help us to trust in you, to trust that you are coming back soon, and to live like you are coming back soon. May we be people who proclaim your goodness with our words, with the message of faith and the gospel that you have placed upon our lips, and with our lives, in our actions, Lord God. May we reinforce that truth. May we be people of humility and people of the light. And we pray that when we wander into the darkness, that you would lead us back, for you are the good shepherd. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.